We're continuing our uh, Christ, the Church, and Chaos series, and today I want to talk to you on the topic of hearing God in crisis. Hearing God in crisis. Probably the greatest crisis of my life came in 1991. I found myself on my back in excruciating pain with my heart skyrocketing. I was in ICU attached to all kinds of monitors. They didn't know that if, if I would survive through the night. Many of you guys know the story. I was hit in a football game and uh, my heart rate went out the roof and it was in a wrong rhythm and it couldn't be regulated and I was rushed in an ambulance and ended up in a different city in a children's hospital in an ICU and what had happened is they were doing an experiment an experimental exploratory surgery to detect why this ventricular tachycardia was up to 200 uh, beats a minute at rest, why my heart was in a different rhythm. And the problem with being in a surgery is you spend these hours on a steel table. And the surgery had gone exceptionally long, 12 hours. And what had happened is it created a pressure point. I wasn't blessed with the, the largest posterior. And it created a, a pressure point on my tailbone which accelerated my heart rate almost another 100 beats per minute. And so I'm in the worst pain of my life. My heart rate's going out the roof in a critical time. And so what do you do when you need rest in the hospital? They put you in a room with bright lights and beeping monitors next to a bunch of dying people. And so I was in the worst place of my life. Uh, I was in, in absolute uh, shock. Uh, my mind was spinning out of control. And finally, they let my mother into this room. I wasn't in a room by myself. It was, you know, it was kind of like a war room with all these people next to me. And my mom comes in and does the only thing she knows to do. And she opens the Bible to the book of Psalms and starts reading Psalms, like Psalm 139, that I knew you and I formed you in the womb. And, and as she spoke the word of God over me, I received peace. It was the only thing that could calm my fears, that could bring me peace. Then they'd have to change, the, they'd have to shift the nurses, they'd move mom out and I'd go back into just a, a horrific, terrified state. You know, I learned that day that I have to hear God in crisis. I have to hear God's word in crisis. And you know, as we study the Bible, what I find is that it's in crisis that God speaks the clearest. You look at the history of the people of God, whether it's in slavery as plagues are coming upon Egypt and God speaks to them exactly what to do to slaughter the lamb and put the blood over the doorpost, whether it's when they come and they're about to be annihilated as they're standing in front of a Red Sea and God speaks to them exactly what to do. God speaks in crisis. I heard a story recently of a missionary in the Middle East who had seen God do some extraordinary things and so he's about to fly out of his country and return home for a break and ask as he is going to the airport, the Spirit of God speaks to, the, to him and says, do not get on that plane. And he's thinking, what in the world? I'm done. I, I, you know, I need a break. I'm tired. But it's that, that, that undeniable voice that he had heard many times. And so he just thought, man, I'm going to lose money. This doesn't make sense. I need some rest. But he drove away from the airport not knowing what would happen. And sadly, just within hours, he finds that that plane was blown up by terrorists. And because he had heard the Lord, he survived that crisis. 
You know, God speaks in the midst of crisis. And I don't have to tell anyone that 2020 has been a year of crises. And what I want to tell you is that God's voice is here for you. He wants to speak to you because here's what I know is that everyone listens to some voice. Everyone listens to some voice. Many people are listening primarily to the voice of the media in 2020. And I would propose to you that it's not helping. Many listen to the voice of celebrities. That's how celebrities have multi, multi-million dollar contracts for advertising because the advertising world knows that we look to celebrities. We look to people of influence as a voice. Many people listen to the loudest voice around them. And other people listen to the voice of fear resonating in their mind. But you, as a child of God, were created to listen to a different voice. And so I want to open up one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 25 today. And it's actually a a scripture that a prophetic voice has given me. He said, in 2020, the word of the Lord is 2 Chronicles 2, uh, 2 Chronicles 20. 20. How cool is that? But let's begin at the beginning of the story. It says this. Now, this is going to be about the people, God's people, the people of Israel. It says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war. So know that these people are the bad guys. They're the people that are always wanting to destroy the people of God to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is the king of the people of God. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in the Engedi. So, you know, 2020, we just keep getting bad news. Here's this pandemic going on. Oh no, here's a global recession. Oh no, now we have this unbelievable racial. Oh no, now we have this crazy divided political time coming to election. Oh no, now the election's being disputed. Oh no, here's a spot. I mean, you want me to keep going? <laughs> um, but let, let me tell you. It wasn't as bad as these guys had it. They basically got news. Here they're sitting in church, and someone comes and says, there's an army in Ramona coming to destroy you. Of not just one enemy, like every enemy country has actually come together to destroy you. That's what they're hearing. And they're basically in Ramona. It's not like they're on the other side of the world, okay? So this is what they're hearing. So point number one, I'm going to give you eight points. I want you to write them down. Remember, you remember what you write down. It's going to help you focus. You're going to have things in your head in order to fight the fight that you're in when you actually take the Word of God seriously. You take notes. So point number one from this story is the people of God will have crisis. I shouldn't have to tell you that in 2020. The people of God will have crisis. This is the story of the Bible. So verse three says this, alarmed, alarmed, Jehoshaphat, alarmed. Sometimes we think if I'm just a man of God, if I'm just a woman of God, when I hear bad news, it won't alarm me. No, that is just not true. There will be things. Jesus said in this world, 
you will have trouble. There are going to be alarming things that come across your desk, that come across your radar. But I want you to look at this next phrase. It is vitally important for you to live the life God's called you to. It says, alarmed Jehoshaphat, resolved, say resolved. Resolved means, man, I am determined. I am steadfast. I am going to do this even if it kills me. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. What does that mean? He was determined, I am going to ask God what to do. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the media. I'm not going to listen just to, to my favorite celebrity. I'm not going to listen to the fear inside of me. My resolve, I'm seeing a crisis. I'm resolved to inquire of the Lord. You're going through a challenge at work right now. Don't just freak out. Resolve to inquire of the Lord. You're having a problem in your family right now. I know it's challenging, but don't just freak out. Resolve to inquire of the Lord. You're going through a problem in your marriage. You're going through a problem with your finances. You're going through a problem with your health. Resolve. Resolve, resolve to inquire the Lord. And sometimes you need to throw in a little fasting. I got amen until I said throw in a little fasting. Verse four, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. 2020, I've seen more opportunity to divide not just our nation, but the body of Christ, the church. There are more opportunities to divide. I mean, we can't agree on anything. Is this a pandemic or a plandemic? We can't agree, right? Is this, am I pro-mask or against? I mean, we're dividing about a little piece of cloth. I mean, everything, we're dividing politically. We're dividing ethnicity-wise. We're dividing about everything. But you know what the Bible says? It says they came together. They came, and, 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 and you're like, yeah, I can come together with people just like me. No. <laughs> Listen to this. They came together from every town in Judah. What does that mean? It means the El Cajon people came together with the La Jolla people. It, mean, it means Chula Vista united with North County. It means City Heights and Coronado grabbed hands. You know how we come together? Is when we decide that being citizens of the kingdom of God is more important than citizens of our particular place and town, where we decide that our bloodline is children of God beyond any ethnicity, that we decide before I'm of some political orientation that I'm a kingdom citizen. We have to put all those things down here and say, no, it's about being about the king and his kingdom. Right? And, 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 that, and for that reason, I'm thankful for 2020 because all the little different things we're saying, oh, you know, those things are going to fail us. I'm about the king and his kingdom. And that's how we unite. So whether you wear boots or flip-flops, you can come together. Third point, we have to pull together. Verse five says this, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, 
Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of your of Abraham, your friend, they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Point four, write this down, we must remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done. When you're in crisis, when you're getting all kinds of bad news, the key is not looking at the news, the key is reminding yourself of who God is and what he has done. This has been a very challenging week for me. Uh, As you guys know, God, opened up a door. He did exceedingly and abundantly more than we would have asked for. He gave us the most amazing piece of land. We have, we have needed this, uh, a permanent home for this church. This is a lease facility. Uh, it's something that oftentimes we thought we were about to lose. We don't know how long we could stay here. It's certainly not uh, large enough for our congregation. We've needed a permanent home. God gave us six acres on the front uh, of College Avenue and the eight Freeway. We're amazed by what he's done. For two years, we've been in a process with the neighbors in the city going to these community meetings and presenting this and meeting with neighbors and saying we want to be, we want to be good neighbors and listening to them and, and, and trying to orientate it in, in a way that's a blessing. And obviously, we're a church. We just want to help people. We counsel people. We mentor youth. We serve the poor. And this week, that, that there were some people that just got, got a lot of neighbors and just trying to say, we don't want you. We don't like you. And then starting to, 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 to say, hey, you guys are lying, or there's these conspiracies, or this isn't really a church, or they're not going to use it for this reason, or how could they get this money? I mean, and, and, and I'm on Zoom calls, and all of a sudden there's like 90 people coming against us. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people come against me. I don't like it when people look mean at me, right? And so that it was really, really challenging. And so I have the, and so here's what, here's what happens. We have what's called a limbic system in us. And that limbic system sends adrenaline through our bodies and our normal response is fight or flight. That's what our natural response is, to fight, to be, I, I will, I mean, that, that that is why people are going crazy in social media. I will, I will fight you. You know, and, and they get, I mean, they get mad. I, I don't know if you watch the news. I mean, people are saying all kinds of horrible things. And that's fight or it's flight. I'm just out here. I'm, I'm just, forget it. I'm leaving. I'm moving. This is, uh, I'm going to go hide. That's the natural response. But can I tell you, men and women of God, you are not called to be natural people. Supernatural people, supernatural people remind themselves of who God is and what he has done. Supernatural people bless those who curse us. They actually take it and say, you know, I pray blessing. They don't lash back out. They don't fight. They say, I pray a blessing over people. I'm going to bless 
When, when I come out, I'm going to return it with kindness and blessing. Why? Because that's a supernatural power and favor of the Lord. And so, so what, what, what have I been doing? I've been saying, God, you are powerful. You are stronger. You have power. You're the one who gave us this land. So it's, you can do it. And then I go back through the stories because this isn't my first time to be opposed in life. The last two houses I own, people came against us and, and they attacked us and, and, and we prayed and God did the miracle. I've, I've had social media things against us before, calling us all kinds of things, making up all kinds of things. And, and what did we do? We prayed. And you know what? Some of those people actually turned and became friends. And so I've been going, God, you're, this is, this is, you're, you're stronger, you're more powerful, you gave us this. God, and you've done it before, so I trust that you're going to do it again. I'm not going to fight these people. I'm going to pray for these people. I'm going to bless these people. I'm going to be kind to these people, and I'm going to trust you. And God, you're going to do it again. Let me just tell you, when there is a problem coming in your face, praise God. When there is a problem coming in your face, remind God of what he has done. Verse 10, but now. Here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. Watch this phrase, underline it, highlight it, Whatever you need to do to remember this, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that phrase in my life. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you, because point five is this, crisis makes us fully dependent on God. We don't like to be fully dependent on God. Back to my heart problem that I was talking about at the beginning. You know, growing up, uh, I, I grew really fast, so I was always a head taller. I was, I was strong for my age, so I'd excel in athletics. Uh, uh, I was, I was uh, blessed to, to be in the talented and gifted classes. I had a, a, a prominent family in our city. My grandfather had been the mayor. And so I, I, I could just, you know, usually I could go into a situation and succeed. When I was laying on that hospital bed, Man, my, my athletic ability was gone. I was not only pulled out of sports, they didn't want me to get out of bed. They didn't want me to walk to the restroom. I went from being an athlete to no, don't get out of bed. I went from having a sharp mind to, to my mind foggy, unclear. I was on all kinds of medication. My vision was completely blurred. They had me on so much education. And it didn't matter who my family was because they had moved me to a different city where I didn't know anyone. In that moment is where I learned to depend on God. When everything is stripped away, that is when you learn to depend on the living God. I wanna tell you, it's in our crises where we say, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That is when you step into the God story. Everyone wants a miracle in life. No one wants to be in a place where they have to have one. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, 
son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. We're talking about hearing God in crisis. The spirit of God comes on this prophetic man and he says, listen to what God says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Can I tell you, if you're God's child, then your battles are daddy's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will cl be climbing up the pass of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohanites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel. With a very loud voice, early in the morning, they left the desert of Tekoa, and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Point number six, in crisis, God speaks clearly. In crisis, God speaks clearly. How? Let me just walk through some ways because for some of you, hearing God is a new thing. It's a new phenomena. So let me talk about ways that we hear God very quickly. Number one, the number one way we hear God is through the Bible. I want to challenge every person that's a part of this church that you spend more time listening to the Bible than you do social media or the news. Because I can't guarantee you that those are true, but I can guarantee you this is always true. So you decide, what do I want to take in? A bunch of lies or a bunch of half lies? Or do I want to take in full, pure, unadulterated truth? I have to feed my mind on this every day. You want truth in your life, open the Bible. Every day, don't miss a day. Open the Bible, read the word of God. And so many times while I'm reading it, God will just highlight. It's like you read a, a, a portion and boom, you're like, that's it. You, you feel something or it kind of sticks out on the page or, or it, it, it settles in your heart or it brings a peace like the word of God. It's living. This is not a book. This is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. So we hear God through the Bible. A second way we hear God is through that still, small voice. That's what Elijah said. What is that? It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice in John 10, 10. In the, in the book of Acts, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them. He speaks through a still, small, intuitive voice where you're like, yeah, I, I, I think that was God. It always is gonna line up with the scripture, by the way. And the more you practice listening, the more you get familiar and you go, I, I, that is God speaking to me. I know that's, that's God speaking to me. Every single day after I read the word and pray, I always wait and listen and say, so God, what are you speaking to me? God, I'm in these crises. What are you speaking to me? God, I need to know what to do here. If you wanna know why this church has maneuvered the way it has in 2020, it's just because we listen to God. We listen to God about everything. And I'm not saying we always get it right, but I am saying that we are committed to every day asking God, what do we do next? 
Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing in the book of John. Here's the next way. We hear God through the prophetic voice of others. In this text, the Spirit of God came on this man and he speaks to Jehoshaphat. I'm so thankful for Kendall and raising up our prophetic team that does prophetic ministry. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that you all may prophesy one after the other. We believe that God speaks through people. Now it's got to be tested with the word of God. But I this week, challenging week for me for numerous reasons. But I'm so thankful for the people that came. And many of them didn't even know what was going on. But they would contact me from other places, even other states, and say, I feel like God's saying this for you. God wants to speak to your heart. Surround yourself with godly people. The more you're surrounded by godly people, the more you're going to hear from God. Here's another one. Through dreams. Through dreams. It was uh, interesting the other day when we uh, had that whole service, which was just... uh, healing testimonies, and how many people said, I had a dream. You know, God's so good. About five days ago, I had a dream before some of these challenging meetings that we just went through. And uh, I went to sleep, and a guy comes to me in a dream, looks at me, and says this. He goes, Isaiah 43, 2. That's all he says. So I wake up, and I open I open my, my Bible up and I look at Isaiah 43 too. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overtake you. When you pass through the fires, you will not be burned. When, the flame, uh, uh, when you pass through the flames, uh, they will not set you ablaze. Okay, obviously I didn't know it before, but I memorized it. I told my mom, uh, my mom. She's had to be my mom this week. I told my wife. Hold me. <laughs> Some of you just had an up close and personal view of my marriage right there. <laughs> One of my favorite stories is when I threw out my back. You know, I probably weigh 100 pounds more than Steph, and she's like, she comes in, Robert, what's wrong? She put me, she picked me up and put me over her shoulder <laughs> and carried me. That is a great picture of my marriage right there. I told my wife. That verse, and you know what she said? She said, uh-oh. Because she, she knows that when you get that clear of a verse that those kind of things are coming. Um, but I've just been claiming that. God, when I go through the, the waters, you're gonna be with me. When I go through the rivers, they're not gonna overtake me. When you go through the fire, I, we had a challenging meeting. I told you this challenging meeting where people are just saying, really, it, it was hard, right? And it, it, was, it was mean. And I walk out, and my, my oldest son comes up to me. He goes, Dad, how was the meeting? I said, oh, boy, son, it was hard. He looks at me. He goes, Dad, remember your dream. God will be with you. Thank you, son. I told my dad. <laughs> <laughs> if you wonder why God gave me such a big family, so carry me through this. Here's uh, what I want you to know, though. Um, another way that God speaks to us is through our deep passions or our motivations. You have a burning passion for something. Uh, we just, as you guys know, this past month, we launched our food distribution to the poor. So much of that came from 
from God putting this passion in, in my heart and in Herb and Mary Jo's heart, Phil and LaShawn's heart, where we just kept, we couldn't get past this passion. We've got to be feeding people. We've got to be actually giving them practical help and meeting their needs. God will often speak to you through a passion or motivation. Now, let me just uh, take you to uh, graduate school in theology and in the Bible for a minute, though, because sometimes people go, well, yeah, I I had this passion, and and so that's why I acted upon it. I I was talking to a pastor uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and, and he, was, he was so sad, and he said, so many of my people have moved out of state uh, for, for financial reasons or for political reasons. He goes, I just don't know if God is really speaking that to them. Listen, I, I need you to, well, and before I say that, of course we believe that God tells people to move all over the place. Uh, but here is the question. Is God really speaking to us when it always is the easier path? Listen to what Ezekiel 14, two through five says. It says, then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling locks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Do you know that your idols can speak to you? It's not always God. So how do we avoid this? You make sure that the Lord is who you're worshiping. You make sure that your highest God is not financial stability, but it's Jesus. You make sure, and, and, and man, it's not just a movie. I mean, I have people that come and, and they'll say, yeah, I have, I have peace about dating this person or marrying this person. You're like, oh my gosh, they're not even a Christian. That's not even, that's not even biblical. Like the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked, but they're like, but I have a peace about it. But what, what, what maybe the idol is romance above Jesus. I, I, I have peace about taking this job, even though, yeah, the company kind of has some unethical things. Well, maybe it's because it's financial stability or promotion over the lordship of Jesus. Jesus doesn't always tell us the, the easiest things. Now, let me tell you also, sometimes he doesn't tell us the hardest things. So how do you make sure that you're hearing God and it's not your idol speaking to you? Your prayer has to be, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make sure that it's about God's will. You come every day and say, Lord, I take up that cross and die. I will do whatever you want me to. Here's another way. Go ask the godliest person you know to give you advice and plead with them. Say, do not tell me what I want to hear. Oh, I see people say, oh yeah, I went and asked for advice. But haven't you had people like, they're telling you something, but they're already telling you how they want you to answer? That's not advice, right? That's lobbying, We should know by now lobbying is not helping us. Go ask the godliest person. You tell me, and I'm pleading with you to speak the truth to me. Let's keep going. Second Chronicles 2, 20, 21 through 24. I only have two points left. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out as the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever as they began to sing and praise. Listen to this. The Lord set ambushes against the men 
of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Point seven, his job is to fight for us. Our job is to worship. His job is to fight for us. Who, who do you want fighting? You or God? I can hit one person, maybe. Maybe, right? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I took a little Taekwondo when I was a freshman in high school. I might be able to hit one person. God can take enemies and turn them on themselves and destroy themselves. Who can do that besides God? I tell you, you want God fighting for you. So you let God fight, and what's your role? Your role is worship. Uh, you're, someone's coming against you at your job. Don't spend time planning and strategizing how to get them. You say, God, I'm gonna let you take care of my battle, and I'm just gonna worship you. Okay, you're in a, you're in a bad family dispute. Hashtag 2020. You, you don't plan and plot. I, I have spent way too much time in like shadow boxing in my mind. When they say this, I'm gonna say that. And then I'm gonna come around and say this. And then I'm gonna say that. And then I'm gonna say that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> no, you let God fight for you. You worship. His, his role is to fight. Our role is to worship. You, and, and guess what? When you worship, you connect with Jesus. When you worship, you experience his presence. When you worship, he touches you. When you worship, you look a lot prettier as a Christian than when you're fighting. One of the reasons Christians are so hated in our country is we spend more time fighting than worshiping. Man, when you worship, you're irresistible. So We don't attack people. Your battle's not against flesh and blood. We love people. We love, one of the ways that we can show we're Christians is we love our enemies. We love, and I know it's hard, but we love our enemies. We bless our enemies. Verse 25, Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms, and they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest. Say rest. rest. Say rest. On every side, point eight, final point, there will be rest on the other side of crisis. There will be, I expected more of an amen, I'm not sure you believe me. 
Now, here's what I, I don't believe that we're out of the chaos and the crisis. I don't think it's done. I think more is coming. But let me tell you, there will be a day. This book tells me so. There will be a day where that crisis is over. There will, you are not in this crisis forever. My heart problem is gone. My dispute over those houses that I tried to get, it's over. There will be rest. That, that crisis you're in in your workplace, that crisis you're in in your family, that crisis you're in in your health, that crisis you're in with your finances, that crisis you're in with your neighbors. Let me tell you, you go about it God's way. You don't fight them. You worship God and let God fight. You listen to God to speak to you in crisis. You stand strong with him, and you will find rest on the other side. It will not last forever. The Bible says that sorrow comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible says that you have ashes now, but he's going to give you beauty in exchange. The Bible says that my God will supply your every need. You're in need right now. He's going to supply it. There will be rest. God has a great plan for you. He is working on our behalf. We gotta go his way. Let's stand up.